up in the sky. Look, it's captivating. It's energizing. It's Alliance's Heroes. Alliance's is the destination for entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, inventors, leaders, celebrities, and startups. Where our heroes in business align. Now, here's your host flying in, David Kogan, founder of Alliance's. That's right, and it's another amazing day. Why? Because we share the secrets of incredible people that either entertain us, build companies, build communities, employ people, make a difference, and you can too. No matter what level you're at, you can too. Because remember, you're at Alliances, which is the only place where entrepreneurs align. So make sure you check out previous episodes at e l i a n c s dot com, like when I recently interviewed. The president of Alibaba. So that's right. Make sure you go to alliances.com. All right. Well, listen to this. What happens when you build a company, but you end up selling it for a significant amount of money, and it doesn't stop there because you end up starting another company? Welcome to the show, Jonathan Cogley. He is the founder and CEO of Logic Boost Labs. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank you, David. So nice to be here. All right, let's go back a little bit. You ended up starting this other company called Thycotic. Talk to us what that was. Um, so that was, gosh, it uh, started in the early two thousands as a consulting company um, that was all services based, and then I really wanted to go to product because it would scale better. So it turned into a cybersecurity startup making products. Um, and that was all around about 2005, uh, and then ultimately built the company to about 10 million in revenue by 2014. Um, and then you ended up selling it, is that right? Yeah, so I sold a majority stake to a growth equity firm out in New York City in 2015, and I, I think I picked my partner very, very well. They went on to build the business uh, more than 10 times larger than 10 million, uh, operating run rate of about 120 to 140 million a year. And we just had a massive exit just a few months ago of $1.4 billion. All right. So congratulations on that. That's huge. It's the $1.4 billion. So after that sells, why continue within business and do anything else? Why not just live on the beach? <laughs> Good question. To, to be honest, I could do that back in 2015. My first exit was sizable enough. I didn't have to work again. Um, but, you know, you can't as as... Crazy as it sounds, you can't just vacation all the time. You got to have a purpose. You got to do something. You got to be meaningful in this world, right? And so for me, I did a lot of soul searching uh, 2016, 2017, and discovered that I really love problem solving, especially in the entrepreneur and startup space. And so I did a lot of uh, mentoring for different startups, and that all ultimately led to the, the genesis of a startup accelerator now that I created called Logic Boost Labs. I love it, and that's what this is about. So we definitely want to hear about Logic Boost Labs, which, by the way, you can reach Jonathan at by going to logicboostlabs.com. So tell us about this Logic Boost Labs. I love the word just labs. Like, I mean, I picture like all these amazing people in a lab doing experiments with startups. It sounds like Batman or science or something, right? Right. <laughs> and, and I got to finally use purple. I've always wanted to use purple as a company color. And so now we're doing it. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, the, the story basically goes that I was doing mentoring and, and I got to speak to a lot of startups. I spoke to, oh gosh, the last few years, probably like three, 400 startups, um, you know, chat to the founders, learn what's bothering them, like what they're struggling with. 
And what I kept noticing was they obviously needed help, they needed advice, inevitably they needed money too. So I landed up doing a little bit of angel investment, but it still wasn't enough. Um, getting the advice, getting the money, they still couldn't necessarily succeed in, in their, what they were trying to do. And probably the most frequent thing I saw is they struggled with sales. They just didn't know how to set up the sales process, they didn't know how to build a sales team. And if I look back at my previous company, Thycotic, I mean, by the time, you know, by 1.4 billion, I think our sales team was like 450 people. It is a sales monster. And that is B2B SaaS. Like if you're going to be successful, you have to have a good sales org. Um, and so what I decided to do was I was like, well, they can't hire the right salespeople that they need because they're too risky. A good salesperson is already happily employed at a larger company, making a good salary and options and everything else. And so the whole idea was, I know those people, I can hire them. Why don't I build a team of employees at an accelerator that has the expertise to actually help the startups? And so that's really the magic that we bring is that we bring money, we bring advice and mentoring, we bring the right people to make your startup successful. And then we've even discovered a lot of founders spend too much time fundraising. So now when we do our investment, we actually do a fourth component where we provide a convertible note as like a line of credit. So if you need further funding at, at additional milestones, you can then just, you know, use our funding rather than having to spend, you know, how many hours doing investor pitches and everything else. So Jonathan, it's amazing again, what you're doing with, with, with this and helping startups, um, what type and funding them. And I mean, just providing all the, the services necessary for them to grow. What type of, I mean, you must get a ton of applications. Like how do you sort through them? How do you pick, how do you know who's going to be the one that's worthwhile of your time, energy and investment? Good question. Um, yeah, so we run it in cohorts. So every quarter we take applicants and then we sift through them, do a bunch more meetings with each of the, uh, the contenders. Uh, we do focus entirely on B2B SaaS. So that kind of limits the field, you know, very focused on the things where we have the most expertise. And then in terms of evaluating the startups, we do require them to have an MVP. So we're not kind of incubator stage. Uh, we definitely work with some incubators and provide advice there, but the accelerator itself, you have to have a product that's ready to sell and ideally, you know, one, two, three early pilot customers. And then in terms of qualities that we look for with the startups, everyone thinks it's, you know, the idea that's what all angels are interested in or something. And I, I don't think so. It's really the team. What I've seen time and time again is if you find the right entrepreneurs that kind of have the quote unquote right stuff, which is usually, you know, tenacity, grit, just the ability to figure it out, right? These are folks that are going to make money, you know, selling cookies if they have to. Um, if you find those folks, if they don't have the right idea now, they're going to come up with it in three, six, nine months anyway. And so that's probably the big thing. And obviously we try to steer them with the idea, help them with market fit, um, determining, you know, their TAM, their SAM, all that kind of stuff. Um, but definitely team, I would say, is the most important factor. That's excellent. Excellent. And again, you're watching, listening to me, David Kogan, host of the Alliances Hero Show. Make sure you go to alliances.com. That's E-L-I-A-N. CES.com because we have with us the amazing Jonathan Cogley, founder and CEO of Logic Boost Labs. It was the Thycotic founder, which he ended up selling his company, sold that Thycotic founder, sold for $1.4 billion. You can reach him at logicboostlabs.com. So Jonathan, you know, you, you've been very successful. You sold the company, had a huge exit. Then in addition, you're helping all these companies. But we really want to know kind of the meat part of it is, is you, you talked about some of the qualities, but if there were a few secrets that you could share, because, you, you know, you view, you see so many, you know, you know, you, uh, picking the winners. 
What are some of those secrets? You talked about the tenacity of the founder stuff. How does somebody even get that? How do they, how do they acquire the skill to know that it's going to be an all-in thing to do what they need to do? Wow, that's. Um, I think at some level it's innate. You're kind of built with it. It probably can be learned. Um, I think a, a key factor if you're trying to decide if you're, you know, going to be a successful entrepreneur or not, if this is the right path for you. I think a key factor to evaluate is risk. How comfortable are you as an individual with risk? Because um, I've seen many entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs really struggle with that. Just the concept of uh, payroll and cash flow and how they're going to, you know, just not being able to sleep at night. And yet, if you talk to typical on, uh, successful entrepreneurs, that's something they never ever think about. So first off, I think that appetite for risk that you're comfortable with it. If you don't have that, it's going to be a really really difficult road. And it's tricky, right? Because being an entrepreneur has become sort of trendy or fashionable, but clearly it's it's not for everyone. So I think a good hard look at yourself. Um, and then also it's just, it's not an easy road. You know, psychotics and overnight success, right? It only took 16 years to happen. Um, you know, there's long nights, long weeks. I didn't take vacations for the first couple of years. I worked 100, 120 hour weeks for years on end. And I see the same thing with our founders today. Um, you know, entre the entrepreneurial road is, is not an easy path. It's far more difficult than getting a regular nine to five job. So I think first, you know, internally look at all of that and see if you have kind of the right stuff. And it's really something that's going to make you happy, right? We have one life to live and make sure that you're doing something that's going to really fulfill you. And then in terms of looking for problems, I'd say the, the biggest thing that I see people being successful with is having experience in a particular business domain. So say, for example, you work as a realtor for a couple of years, and then you decide to make an app to tackle that industry or whatever it might be, accounting, you know, whatever field it is, it doesn't matter, but have that deep day-to-day -day knowledge of how it works and the problems that that industry faces. And then when you bring a solution to that, it's going to be based on, you know, real things that you've actually experienced and know and know what those struggles are. And that way, you're, um, the problem you're solving is very likely to be real. It's something that people will pay for and it's likely to be you know, a more successful solution. How are some of the tests though? Like what kind of testing do you do to see if there is an actual market of what somebody's bringing to you? So there's the, your classic research. So look at some of the analyst firms out there, any white papers that are out there to get a sense of the size. So for I'll keep going with the realtor example. Let's say you're making some software for, for realtors. You know, you'd look at some um, public reports that maybe discuss how many realtors are there are in the US. Um, you, maybe there's certain factors you're interested in. Maybe you're going to tackle your local city first. So what's the possible size of the market there? So I'd look at kind of, you know, public information and address how big your market could possibly be. And then again, if you've had experience in the industry, you should have folks that are experiencing that pain that you know. So you'd look for a few pilot customers, right? If you can't convince three, four, five people to try out your solution, then, and ideally even more than try it out, maybe pay $100 to use it. You know, that's really going to validate your idea, right? Nothing validates your idea more than revenue. Someone prepared to give up cold, hard cash to solve that problem. So I would say those are kind of the first steps. Um, and we look for those. We look for pilot customers. We'll do interviews with the customers as well to understand the use cases that are being solved and make sure that it's real. Um, some entrepreneurs kind of approach it the wrong way around. They come in with cool technology and they're like, oh, this is so great, shiny, new. You know, it must be useful like wrong approach, right? Come back to the problem, really dig in, enjoy, you know, get the juicy problem, really understand what it's all about. And usually the technology is actually the easy part. Understanding the industry and the challenges is the hard part. 
We've got some questions that have come in. Uh, one of those is in particular is, is that when you ended up selling your company, what was that experience like, like your, your first exit where, you know, like you had mentioned, you had enough to pretty much just continue to live off of it, invest and, and do your thing. What was going, what, what, how, what's that feeling like? Um, it's pretty scary, I would say. Um, you know, it's your baby. It's something I had worked on, gosh, probably about, you know, about 12 years in the making at that point. Uh, I think, honestly, I got a little bit burned out. I've been working so hard in the business for so long. And also, like I mentioned before, you know, B2B SaaS at some point really becomes a sales org scaling challenge. And so I was at the point where I had a sales team of maybe, maybe about 20 people. Um, and it needed to grow to 100 to 150 to 200 salespeople. And that's not a task that just anyone can do, right? There's very experienced people out there that know how to do that, how to structure territories, comp, comp plans, like all the things you need to grow you know, a massive sales organization. And that wasn't something that really appealed to me. I'd far sooner get experts in that know how to do that. Uh, so it's very tempting to me to get you know, the right player in, get some uh, cash off the table, you know, basically uh, get the returns for all my hard work to that point and then still retain a you know, reasonable stake in the company and have the right partner that then knows how to grow it to the next stage. Uh, so for me, it was kind of scary, but also a relief. Another question is, is, is it easier now or was it easier before when you were doing your business to do a startup and make it successful? Oh, Ah, this is a good question. I've heard this sentiment before, this idea like, you know, oh, funny I could be back with Bill Gates and come up with Microsoft and everyone had all the easy things back then. I would say the opposite. Just to give you an idea, when we launched our product, our cybersecurity product in 2005, um, we built our own CRM. We needed to have credit card processing on our website, so we built it. We needed e-commerce on our website, so we built it. Who would ever do that in 2021, right? You would never do those things. You can pick all those little modules you need and all those things are so easy to get and put together today. You don't have to do any of that stuff. So I would say if anything, it has become so much easier to launch products with all the infrastructure and cloud services and everything that's available. I will agree that the idea market is somewhat saturated. Whatever you probably think of, someone's already doing it. Um, that's not a bad thing that could validate that there's a real market there and maybe you can compete and do it better. So when you started the company, you were doing had nothing to do with cybersecurity, but yet that ended up coming to be right and really blew up significantly. How do you, how does somebody as an owner and how did you come up with the idea to go ahead and do it? I mean, we we start off with one thing when we're doing a startup and, and then things definitely end up shifting. I mean, I don't know how many people we have interviewed that had the one idea and only stuck with that idea, but how do you, how does it come to be? I think you just have to listen to the market, right? Just pay attention when you're talking to potential customers. Uh, so they, we were doing a services company, we we're providing programming services to DC um, software companies mostly, and they kept giving us credentials, credentials for their VPN, credentials for their source control, all this kind of thing. And we're like, well, this is terrible. Like, how do we manage all these credentials? And so we looked at products in the marketplace and nothing was really doing what we needed. So we built something and also tried things, right? If it's quick and easy to build, try it and see if there's any success. And the first thing we did was we went to a trade show. We bought a, we bought a booth. Uh, we had enough money coming in from consulting. We're like, hey, let's do this. The cost is like 10 grand. We had a booth at a Microsoft trade show. 
And the amazing part was we got to speak to about 500 system administrators over the course of three days that all looked at our product and went, huh, kind of cool, but would be way better if it did X, Y, or Z. And so we kept going back to that trade show year after year and then added more. And within a couple of years, they would say, well, does it do X? And we're like, yes, does it do that? But, you know, and we would do all the things. They're like, how do you know how to do all these things? It's like, well, you're the 2000th system administrator that I've personally spoken to. So just that, again, that industry expertise, right? Dig into the problem, enjoy it. And then applying the technology tends to be kind of the easy part, actually. That's excellent. Well, knowing what you now know about cybersecurity, Mail. Is it scary out there with it still? I mean, have we gotten better? Um, I think so. I think the tools have got a lot better. I think in fairness to our, we were lucky, like our, our timing was phenomenal to start building a cybersecurity tool in 2005. That takes maybe, you know, seven, eight years to really get mature in the enterprise space. So, and then all the breaches started happening from what, like 2009, 2010 onwards. So at some level it was luck too. We were just in the right place at the right time. Um, the tools have got a lot better, but again, it's, it's a tough problem to solve because you only need one lapse in security and the bad guys get in. Um, so you got to be 100% perfect all the time. It's, it's tough, right? Uh, so there's a lot of space there for tools to make the landscape better. And I think that's, that's happening already and continues to happen. Uh, our newest part, uh, portfolio company is a company called Two Cents, and they're right in the, the same uh, cybersecurity space looking at authentication and you know, solving all very similar problems. So there's lots of opportunity for new startups there. We've got time for one more question. I think this is important too. We've had a couple of people submit this is, what do you have for the advice for young entrepreneurs, those that are in high school that want to go ahead and make their mark in the world like you have, have huge dreams. What kind of secrets can you share with them of what they could be doing right now? Um, probably try a lot, lots of things now, even if you're in high school, uh, look for business ideas. Uh, there's some, there's a nice Ted talk, uh, that talks about raising entrepreneurial children. Um, we can probably put it in the comments of the show or something. Um, but anyway, things like that, look at what people have done. The, the um, presenter in that show talks about collecting hangers from all of his neighbors and then taking them and selling them back to the laundry, the, the laundry service. Like, what a great idea. And he was doing that at like nine years old or something. So look around you right now. What can you do? A, a friend of mine, um, his daughter has an Etsy business. She's 10. <laughs> you know, you can do these things. So there's really no excuse. Like, and those will teach you the basics of business. It'll teach you marketing. It'll teach you sales, teach you cash flow, teach you some basic accounting. So start now, you know, have wide open eyes, look for opportunity, build experience, build connections, and good things will happen for you. Well, fantastic advice and good things are happening because you're on the show and I have the opportunity to be able to interview you for our audience. Jonathan Kudley, you support startups, you give them an insight of how to be successful and help them find funding. That's a hero. Jonathan Kudley, founder and CEO of Logic Boots Labs, is the founder of Psychotic Sold for $1.4 billion. Reach out to him at logicboots.com labs.com that's logicboostlabs.com and of course we'll have our website at alliances thanks david